All right, special insert here, Rinkwide Vancouver. Of course, uh, you're listening to the Bold Predictions podcast that J-Pat and I put together. And then J-Pat took off to vacation. And, of course, the Canucks then dropped news less than 24 hours later. So joining me now, Patrick Johnston from the Province Post Media, as he does each and every Friday, which is kind of a coincidence. But, hey, it is the Canucks. They love to do their business on a Friday Pius, Suter. Pius. Yeah, I butchered Pius. it right away. Dollywalled it right away. Regardless, a player that the Canucks were looking for, and we were sort of circling in terms of a guy that they should be looking at. Uh, Offensive-minded, center, down the middle, third-line guy, projected at least for the Canucks. And really, you know, Jeff and I were talking about it on this podcast that you guys will hear a little bit later on, like whether we believed in Teddy Bluger as a third-line center. We both, I don't think, did. At least I won't speak for him, but I didn't. This looks like the kind of guy that the Canucks need. Yeah, a name that I think had been kind of circled as a possibility for the Canucks for a while. Uh, now that I've actually sat down and looked at him after the signing, I totally understand. And I think this is actually one of the better signings, at least on paper. Obviously, they have to go play the games. Uh, but on paper, this is probably one of the better signings to date that... Uh, Patrick Alvin and his staff have made. This is a guy that uh, was actually quite effective defensively on a not very good uh, Detroit Red Wings team. You know, a team where, I mean, I, I, I remember banging this drum when they signed or traded for Philip Ronak, who clearly can move the puck, clearly is an offensive uh, defenseman, but not so sure about sort of whether he really moves the meter defensively. You know, I said, I think I said with Ronak, it was like, here's a guy that, that, Nothing changed. You know, they, the, at least the Red Wings didn't get worse when he got on the ice, but he didn't make it better. But Pew Suter got on the ice and made a difference for the Red Wings. And on top of that, he can score some goals. And that was something we talked about. He had a little, quick little Zoom session with a few of us this afternoon. And, and I asked him a little, or he was asked about it, sort of his offensive game. You know, he scored, four, he scored I think, 14, 15, 14 goals. And, and you know, he, I think, you know, puffed his chest out a little bit about that. His second season, his first season in Detroit, two seasons ago, essentially scored it. You know, he sort of half a point per game. Now, that was once upon a time considered second line scoring. Scoring us up a little bit, obviously. But this is a guy that scores in that sort of middle six range. Um, and he's got he's got a finishing touch. He's got a smart way. I asked him about uh, how essentially um, he learned to be a defensive player. You know whether that's something that uh, has always been in his game. And he said, "Well, I realized you know essentially said realized when he was a young guy this was a way to get a little more ice time. If you had the coach's trust, if you're good at your own end, you you understand how to kind of get on the inside, keep guys away from your net, how to win puck battles." Uh, that is what gets you more ice time, and he's made the NHL because of it, and he's been an effective NHLer because of it. So, yeah, I, I definitely, I, I, an upgrade over Teddy Bluger. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. Um, and and certainly, you look at that lineup now, and you start going, okay, I can see something here. You know, I, I still, you know, long way to go if you really want to call this team a contender. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But this is a team that. You know, I, I like Jeff's take, you know, coming out of the, the opening stages of free agency where he said, well, nobody said they were, nobody said they won free agency, but also nobody said they lost. They're just kind of in the middle. And I think this starts sliding it towards winning a little bit. Obviously, it's not. This isn't like they've signed, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko or something like that or or, or, or a healthy Patrick Kane or anything like that. This is not a guy that's, uh, that's going to, you know, 
take over the scoring. This is no Andre Kuzmenko signing, but this is one of those little details that does matter. And, and this is a smart guy to make a bet off. I said that earlier. This might be the best signing. You know, you certainly you compare it to some of the bets they made last summer. Like, obviously, Curtis Lazar didn't work out. Nils Amon had an NHL season, but this guy's clearly better than Nils Amon. Um, you know, this, this is a player that, if it works out, he really does add something to the lineup. It's a player that you can trust when your two star centers are off the ice. He's a guy that you are going to lean on heavily in penalty kill. It, it's a very intriguing move by the Canucks. Yeah, balances out the lineup for sure for the Canucks. And it's funny because as you will hear in this podcast, Jeff and I were talking about the 3C options and whether you know there was a future for Nilzaman uh, down the middle. So we'll see what happens in terms of now there's a battle, it looks like, for that fourth uh, line position uh, down the middle with Teddy Bluger and Nilzaman. We talked about balancing the lineup, though. Sure, it does that on paper, but on the... Uh, salary cap, now there's issues. So what do you think sort of behind this? Because it looks like there's going to have to be a deal. Well, yeah, and I've, I've put together, I've, I have a sort of three thoughts. And essentially, first thought is there's a cap crunch. And second thought is what are your options, um, the, your trade options? Yeah, it's quite clear. They're gonna, I mean, it, I, unless it turns out that Tanner Pearson really can't go. And everything sounds like he will be able to, at least they're talking like he'll be able to go. Certainly we hear, I mean, presumably from his agent, since that's Rick Dollywall. Um, but also Patrick Alvin saying that way back, uh, way back when, that, um, you know, that, that he's trending well. So, you know, if Tanner Pearson cannot go, that's $3.5 million that you're going to shove on LTIR and you're fine. You know, as it stands, basically, you can have a 23-man roster. That's the other thing is how you shake it out. And I think presumably they will want to start the season with a 23-man roster since, first of all, there are sort of cap reasons to do that. Uh, there's performance bonus reasons to do that. There's also uh, the reality that they're going on their usual O-season opening road trip. So you want to probably have some extra guys. Um, so you could build a 23-man roster that essentially has you a million dollars over the cap. And that's with Tucker Pullman on LTIR, just to be clear. So, yeah, they're going to have to make a move. And it's not just that. It's also just looking at the personnel in front of you. Now, for instance, you know, our, presumably Anthony Beauvillier and Ilya Mikheyev and Brock Besser and Andre Kuzmenko, or I should say Brock Besser, Brock Besser or Connor Garland is in your top six, right? They're your top top four wingers. That's going to leave you likely something like Niels Hoaglander, Garland slash Besser as your third line wingers. Now, Hoaglander and Garland, I think, are actually kind of pretty adequate two-way wingers, but I think we know how Rick Tockett thinks, and I have a hard time imagining him having two small wingers on the same line. Um, and then you've got Vasily Podkolzin. I mean, what happens with Vasily Podkolzin? Uh, to me, it's not just a question now of cap. It's how you actually want your lineup to look. And so if you're trying to find a spot for Podkolzin, you're trying to say you're trying to, even if you say Tanner Pearson's going to be a $3 million scratch, um, you still have to find a spot, presumably, for one of Garland. Or sorry, you're going to have to deal with one of Garland, one of Besser, one of Podkolzin, right? One of those guys does not fit. And so from that standpoint, that's an obvious option. I think the other one, I'm sure it springs to everyone's mind, is that Tyler Myers question, uh, you know, came up as soon as Eric Carlson got traded uh, by San Jose. You tie it all the way back to that Frank Cervelli report that there's a been a, a trade sort of sitting on the, ca- on the, on the table between um, the Canucks and the 
uh, Sharks for Tyler Myers. Maybe it just becomes one of those ones where they're just going to pay that bonus on September 15th or whatever it is, and then Tyler Myers is a San Jose Shark. Maybe he already knows it. I don't know. Uh, I, I, by the way, I don't want to sound like I've heard that. I'm just speculating. I'm just turning that there. I, no <laughs> I heard idea. it here first. But um, <laughs> no, I, I that, that seems like a possibility as well. And you know what? To be honest, if you move Myers, then all of a sudden you don't have to start the season in LTIR. It, realistically, that's where you want to be. You don't want to be in LTIR to start the season because if this team truly believes in itself, the idea of accruing cap space over the season to to find a way. To 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 add a player at the deadline, like my goodness. Now, obviously, if you're trading Myers, is it you know what kind of trade is that going to be with? I, I, you know, could you just send it home and send him away for pick? I don't know. What's the price of Myers? What's what does San Jose need? What do they need in the guy? I mean, this is a team that is looking to reset itself. His contract's up at the end of the year. You, they would only own a million dollars. I don't get the sense the Sharks have ever been a budget-conscious team, but they also didn't draw very well last year, so I don't imagine there's a lot of money sort of rolling over in the bank. It's an interesting fit to me. The other one that I found interesting, and I, this goes back to the winger question, uh, if, we're, if you're curious about fit, is there's a lot of noise out of Washington, which I find interesting. They're looking for a top-six winger. Now, that would mean, do you believe in Brock Besser or Connor Garland as a top-six winger? Um or I, I kind of always wonder, you know, they like Russians. Would you flip Vasily Podkolzin for something there? But I don't know what you're getting back. When you're a cap crunch team, it's difficult. I mean, you know, the, the Caps are looking to move Evgeny Kuznetsov. That's certainly not a player the Canucks can trade for, given this cap hit. At least not right now. <laughs> uh, we're talking about cap crunch. But yeah, the, it, it seems obvious that, un, like I said, unless Tanner Pearson really can't go and you're going to just shovel him onto LTIR, you're going to have to move somebody. Yeah, no, you're absolutely going to have to move somebody. Maybe this is the sign that they know that Tanner Pearson can't go next year, but we can debate that at a different time. We also can look at potential trades with the Washington Capitals at another time as well. Oh, my goodness. So many options. All right, PJ. Well, thanks for filling in. Pinch hitting for JPAD today as he uh, starts off his vacation. And, of course, the Canucks. It's, it's so Canucks to just give us a, a news dump on a Friday, but... Regardless, it's a good news dump, I think. Not a holiday weekend. That though. is true. That is true. And I think I think at this time, a good time. Yeah. No, I, I don't mind. It gave me something to write about today. There you have it. Uh, so back to your regularly scheduled podcast here, folks. A special insert featuring our man Patrick Johnson from Post Media. Thanks, PJ. See you soon, guy. Quad Vancouver pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds. Free casino games that can play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again with another edition of the Summer Series Podcast. It's, uh, well, the dog days are setting in, J-Pat, and I know you can smell hockey. It is just around the corner. Getting a little bit of news here and there, not a lot in terms of the Canucks. Some Canucks making news with some of their comments. We'll get to that in just a bit. But we asked the people for some bold predictions. Like, just tell us, you know, what do you, what do you, everything's on the table. What do you think the, is going to happen to the Canucks this year? We'll get to those replies from the people. 
But I thought you and I could give some bold predictions ourselves. Yeah, we can't let the people do all the heavy lifting yeah. here on Rinkwide. So we certainly appreciate the input, and, and we did get lots of it. I, you know, I kind of thought, you know, have people checked out now, middle of August, uh, counting down to training camp? What kind of response do we get? But we got lots of response. So uh, we, we appreciate that, and we'll certainly get to, you know, some of the input from uh, our loyal Rinkwide listeners. But you're right. Uh, we kind of have to set the table, if you will, uh, for the program here ourselves. Now, I... I- I think I want you to lead off because the I got three and they all sort of tie into one another. And so you'll hear what I mean in, in just a moment here. So let, let you take the, uh, have the honors that is and lead off here. All right. I'm going to ease my way in. Uh, this first one, I don't think it's going to blow anybody away, but we'll kind of go from there because I think I've got some bolder ones uh, of my three. But uh, the first one is that Jet Wu is going to play double digit games for the NHL Canucks this coming season. Jet Woo. Jet Woo. They, they, they said just a couple more years, just a couple more years, he's coming. <laughs> and, and it's funny because I, I think you and I were both sort of blown away that uh, he had sort of climbed this ladder when we hear the uh, management group reference his name. So what are you saying? He's going to play at least half? No, 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 no. You got to listen when I these bold predictions. Yeah, do. Don't run with yeah. them. Uh, double digits. This is a guy that's never, he's never played in the National Hockey League yes. yet. But we heard Ryan Johnson say that he believes that he has now put himself in a position with his season last year in Abbotsford to be a legitimate call-up candidate for the Vancouver Canucks. You think how deep they went on defense last year. Now, they've bolstered their blue line. They think they're better, but we know the Canucks and their history with defensemen and injuries and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's a right side guy. Ethan Bear is not in the mix. Tyler Myers' future is murky at best. Uh, again, I'm not making a bold proclamation that he's going to be a regular on their blue line, but for a guy that's never played for the Vancouver Canucks to this point in his career, I'm saying that it's not just a one or two games. At some point, I think uh, he's going to get a run of games. I, I'm saying Jet Wu plays double-digit digit games for the Vancouver Canucks this coming season. Right shot guy and needs waivers as well. So that would be interesting for Jet Wu because, of course, right shot guys are very enticing for other teams. But you know, if they can get them through, they'll be able to get them up and down throughout the season. Very interesting. Very bold. I like that one. What else you got? All right. I, I like this one. I don't know if it's actually going to happen, but when you think of what the Canucks did in free agency, their targets, the way that they went out specifically and strategically spent money to address their defense core, but even more than that, of course, penalty kill. Uh, we charted 70% all of last season. Uh, we're going to work with the assumption here that Thatcher Demko is healthy and is going to look a lot more like late season Demko than early season Demko. My bold prediction is is that the Canucks penalty kill will finish higher in league rankings than the team's power play. Whoa! That is bold right there. Higher than the team's power play. Last year, the power play was... Well, we, we know where the PK was. Right. It was at the bottom. They were 11th in the league last year in power play with 22.7. So let's say power play dips a couple... And no Bo Horvat to score the 11 power play goals that he had from the bumper spot. They got to fill that, that position. Let's say the power play dips just a touch. Penalty kill only has to come up to league sort of average, midway mark. All right. I, again, I, I'm not sure that this comes to be, but it's a bold prediction show. So, hey, why not? Yeah, I like that one. That is bold. And uh, 
I am going to push back though, because my predictions uh, revolve around that power play a little bit. So keep going though. Keep going. All right. This one, uh, you wanted bold predictions. Rick Tockett will be be a Jack Adams finalist. We're talking coach of the year candidate. Wow. This team that missed out on the postseason last year. And again, I, I think I've sort of on other episodes laid out a path to the playoffs for them. I'm not predicting that they're going to make it, but I, I could see, you know, it's one of those if, if everything kind of falls their way. Uh, but look, Dave Haxtall uh, took a Seattle team that wasn't very good in its inaugural season, made terrific strides, made the playoffs, obviously won a round as well. Uh, and Dave Haxtall was a finalist for uh, coach of the year. Now, Jim Montgomery and the Boston Bruins did uh, historic things last year, so no surprise that Montgomery, it's a regular season award. He was coach of the year, and Lindy Ruff in, in Jersey uh, was with the other finalists. So you have a couple of teams that were really good, and then the Seattle Kraken had a really nice season, uh, certainly better than the Canucks. But again, you don't have to be a true Stanley Cup contender. You don't have to be a division winner or anything like that. Uh, and Hackstall was proof of that. So I think that the Canucks could take significant strides if they play Rick Tockett's system and style and he gets them all to buy in. I think people around the National Hockey League will take notice. And again, kind of goes back to the penalty kill. So much of it hangs on Thatcher Demko and what he's able to do. Show me a good coach. I'm going to show you a coach with a, a really good goaltender. And so Rick Tockett will be a Jack Adams finalist. I had to look this up. Uh, we haven't had a Jack Adams finalist in Vancouver since Ellen Vigneault. He won the award early in his tenure as the head coach of the Canucks. He was also a finalist, uh, I want to say the year that they went to the Stanley Cup final, that or the year before. Didn't win it a second time with the Canucks, but uh, that's the last time any Canucks coach has been up. And, and that, that makes perfect sense. I mean, we know the dark decade that has uh, followed since uh, Game 7 of the 2011 Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, this would be charting a new course for the Vancouver Canucks when you think of all the coaches that have been here since Al Avigno, uh from Tortorella to Willie D and Travis Green and Bruce Boudreau and now we're talking. Uh, yeah, I'm saying that a Canuck coach is going to be a Jack Adams finalist. Yeah, when you have consecutive seasons of 75, 69, and 73 points, you're probably not yeah. having a, a head coach that's going to be so much. a finalist. But, J-Pat, J- then they're a playoff team. If Rick Doggett is going to be a finalist, they have to be a playoff team, right? You can't make a finalist. If- no, you probably caught me in yeah. that one then a little bit, yes. So, um, again, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out, but... That's the bold prediction. And you're right. Uh, nobody, the voters aren't looking at the teams that are, you know, sitting there in uh, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th in the conference. And and Bruce Boudreaux truly was coach for a year. Now we're talking about, you know, coach of the year. But I'm not predicting he's going to win coach of the year. I'm just saying he would be one of the three finalists. And when you look what Bruce did when he took over in the 21-22 season, perhaps he might have got a sniff, but there was talk. Remember yeah, that? Like, yeah, oh, if they yeah. can make the playoffs, if they yeah. squeeze in, even though he took over in December, like there's still a chance here. Uh, they didn't squeeze in and he wasn't uh, a contender ultimately for for coach of the year. You're not crazy because there are others and when we get to the people's uh, input. There are others that reference that uh, he would be a Jack Adams winner, though. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah, quite not, interesting. That's not quite ready good. to go down that road just yet. All right. So that's what we got from you. Jet Wu going to play double digit games in the NHL is an interesting one at that. But uh, we'll have to see about the others. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think the Jet Wu one has a really good chance of happening just because of the amount of defensemen that you're going to have to. Uh, put through in a season and the fact that he's right shot, all that stuff. But 
Uh, the others will have to see, but I, I think they could be tracking towards a playoff team this year. I don't think I'm being that bold by saying that. Just quickly, like I'm not sure that the the last two that I had there can coexist. Like if the power, if the penalty kill finishes above the power play, it probably means that the power play hasn't been as product, productive as they need it to be. No, not really, not really. What if they're kind of tracking at the same point? Like what if they're both. 15th in the league, 12th in the league. Well, I I have trouble seeing the penalty kill get to 12th. And if the the power play is lower than 12th, then like this is a team I think that has to feast at the trough of the power play. Hughes, Pedersen, Miller, Kuzmenko, uh, they'll figure out the bumper spot at some point. Uh, You know, they need to have a pretty elite power play, I think. Although we're in an era now where... Uh, pretty elite isn't good enough when you see what the Oilers and some other teams do. And, you know, north of 25%, uh, that's going to be a, a reach for the Vancouver Canucks. Good segue into my bold predictions because I'm starting with the power play. The power play will be top five in the NHL Ooh. this year. That is what I am predicting. Now, the best power play the Canucks have ever had, I, and you followed this team you've been watching this team since you were a kid as well was the 82 83 season they were clicking at 27 percent now mind <laughs> you it was a different league back then right yeah they haven't crested 25 percent since since the 80s the 2010 11 team was at 24.3 now as you referenced with the edmonton oilers last year you know they were clicking they had a 32.4 percent power play they set an nhl record the Leafs were second at 26 the fifth place was Dallas last year at 25%. So if the Canucks can get themselves into that top five, you're going to have to be clicking at about a quarter of a rate to get in there. But I say the Canucks will be top five in the power play this year. So the penalty kill is going to have to be top four then. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Who knows? For, for my prediction for my prediction to come yeah. through, the penalty kill is going to have to be top four from, from basement to... From the outhouse to the penthouse. Now we're making this team like a Stanley Cup contender at this point, right? Uh, I've got Andre Kuzmenko scoring 50. Ooh, that is bold. Andre Kuzmenko lights it up on the power play. He led the team last year with 14. Now, of course, you mentioned Bo Horvat, who would have led the team if he had stuck around here in Vancouver. He had 11 there. But he led the team with 14 last year. I think Andre Kuzmenko goes off this year i think that line or at least that duo of andre kuzmenko and elias Pettersson have themselves a season i see 50 for andre kuzmenko uh, i i want to see it because i'd love to see a 50 goal season from a vancouver canucks uh, Canuck, they've been few and far between uh over the team's history uh, it's impossible to ignore the percentages though and i know that so many of his goals were high percentage shots tap-ins backdoor all that kind of stuff but it just the math is what it is and guys generally don't score uh on the kind of shooting percentage that he had now you're playing with Elias Pettersson you're going to get looks you're going to be put in spots to score and as we said the power play uh, you know, he found his, his footing there as a net front guy, not maybe your prototypical net front guy, but uh, great hands, great. I loved his timing. I loved it. You know, his ability to read and react and slip behind defenders just at the right moment. And then guys like Patterson and Miller, you know, they're talented enough that they're going to find you there with those backdoor passes. So I do think he's going to continue to score uh, a lot of those types of goals, but he got to 39, he didn't get to 40. And you're telling me he's getting to 50 in year number two. So... It's bold. And these are bold predictions. It is. Bold. Yeah, as I said, I, I'd love to see it. I mean, uh, 
you just think of the celebrations that we saw for 39 oh, wow. goals. Uh, yeah. Imagine his 50th goal, Sally. That would be something. All right. So I took you down the path of the power play being top five. It led you into Kuzmenko having himself a season with 50 goals. And it all comes to this for the first time in NHL or NHL in first time in franchise history. The Canucks will have two players that will crest a hundred points or more. Uh, are you naming the players or are you just throwing it out there? Just throwing it out there. One of them, you know, Easily. Sure. It's going to okay. be EP40. Yeah. We've got others, and you know, I'll steal one from somebody that submitted it, and I'll, I'll credit the name when I look it up here, but they got Quinn Hughes getting 100 points nah. this year. I think it's our buddy Andy, who, who's a great submitter, but I, I don't think it's going to be Quinn Hughes, but I do believe that maybe JT Miller, maybe Andre Kuzmenko, obviously uh, Elias Pettersson is going to be there. Who knows? If that power play is lighting it up, they're going to be putting points on the board, two of them, franchise history, being made this year. Pedersen and Bud Colson? No, I don't know about that. You wanted we, bold predictions. Uh, <laughs> no, fair enough. You can leave it open-ended there. I'm not making you name names, and those are the candidates. Uh, yeah, I'd, look, we documented sort of the things that Eric Carlson did last year in San Jose, and uh, what did he finish? He, he finished with more assists than Quinn Hughes finished with points total. Um uh-huh. You know, I don't want to say it was like a once in a generation kind of thing, but it sort of felt like it was. And so the idea of Quinn getting to 100, uh, he's got to get to 80 first, and then that's quite a leap from 80 to 100. So, yeah, it feels like a long shot, but uh, certainly expecting big things yet again from Quinn Hughes. But uh, I'm not sure that I, I see a 100-point season coming for him. Eric Carlson went from 35 points to 101. <laughs> I know. That's, that is one of the great uh, year-to-year well. There was 30 games missed. Though, I understand that, that one. But still, just when you look, just when you look at it, like his stats, and you're like, what? <laughs> 35 to a 102 or 100. What was it? What did he finish with? He finished with 101. He had 76 assists on the season. 25, 25 goals, J-Pat, from a right. defenseman. Yeah, now he's a rover, really, more than anything else. Yeah, and look, he went rogue at the end, and it all yeah. became about getting the hundred points because there was nothing else to play for 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 the San Jose Sharks. But he got there. You can't take it away from him and. It'll be interesting to see what do they expect of him in Pittsburgh this year. Uh, you know how much freewheeling can he do uh, on a team that's going to have obviously designs on getting to the playoffs. So I would think that they probably rein him in. I, I'm not expecting a repeat of him getting to the century mark. Uh, you know, but the Penguins made the trade because they want you know that kind of player certainly. But I would expect maybe less is more from Carlson this year in Pittsburgh. Like still be productive, but playing within the team system, and you know maybe they don't rely on him. Uh, nearly as much as the Sharks did to, to generate offense. Yeah, going to be interesting to see exactly both power play one and two for Pittsburgh. But yeah. this is a Canucks podcast. We'll keep it with the Canucks. Now, we're throwing a lot of numbers out there, right? And perhaps, you know, the number's not working for the car you want to buy. This is what you got to do, J-Pat. Head over to our good friends at the Applewood Auto Group. Check them out at applewood.ca. They'll get you all set up with the ride that you want, with the price that you want as well. Because, J-Pat, it's all good. At Applewood. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. 
Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. All right, so that was our bold predictions. Let's get to the people. And we got a whole bunch of them. You're right, J-Pat. People are, uh, they might not be watching hockey right now, but they're definitely interested in talking hockey right now. So let's start with Love it. with the captain. He just calls himself captain on Twitter. Oh, I thought we were talking about, I thought we were starting with the Canucks captain. I was like, what? Well, you got news? <laughs> yeah. So this is from the captain on Twitter. It says the Canucks will lack goals on the power play, which turns them to use Heronic on the first power play unit for his shot. Heronic impresses and steals the PP1 quarterback spot from Hughes and goes on to get more Norris votes oh, than wow. Hughes. Holy, this one has got all kinds of elements to it. <laughs> you know, t- there are times there are hot takes that just kind of uh, spontaneously combust and, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. and just go up in smoke at that point. Um, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there that I just don't see happening. So. Yeah, our Rinkwide Vancouver uh, X account, because it's not Twitter anymore, mm. uh, replied with that gif uh, of Charlie Day from yeah. Always Sunny, where he's pointing out, the, you, know, you know the gif. Yep. It's a lot of elements there by the captain. <laughs> Don't really see that happening. Uh, Pavel Burray's flow was the guy that suggested that Rick Tockett will win the Jack Adams, and he said, you want it bold. Yep. Ricky says, uh, third place finish in the division. They knock off the v- Vegas Golden Knights in round one. I mean... Stranger things have happened, right? So that would mean they'd have to finish ahead of both Los Angeles and Seattle and Calgary. And we're not really sure what to make of, of Calgary. But, uh, you know, I think the LA Kings think that they're trending in the right direction. They just have to avoid McDavid and the Oilers in the first round one of these years. Uh, you know, I don't know that Seattle's taking a step back. I, you know, I think Seattle is what it is. Hardworking team that has an identity now. Hard to play against. You know, can they get back to 100 points? We'll see about that. But if the Canucks are going to third, I, unless he thinks that Edmonton is taking this massive drop, but I, I would assume he doesn't lay it out there, right? Like it's just if, if they're playing Vegas in the first, if they're playing Vegas in the first round, then that's two against three. Yeah, boy. Again, you know, this is a team that hasn't actually qualified for the playoffs in forever. They got invited to the expanded bubble tournament, but uh, even then, when play stopped because of COVID, there was no guarantee that they were going to make those playoffs either. So, you know, baby steps here. I, if they make the playoffs, I see them as a wild card. I, I just, yeah, that one seems a, a little uh, far-reaching at this point. But uh, hey, if you got the coach of the year and you got uh, Philip Aronic getting Norris votes, then. Sky's, sky's the limit, apparently, for this group. <laughs> <laughs> Top five power play and ironics <laughs> getting exactly. Uh, Andy from Florida says uh, both Pod Colson and Hoaglander will not be on the 23 man roster by season's end. Now, it doesn't say whether that's, you know, trade or put down into the minors or big season for both of these guys, though. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's the boldest prediction that we've heard on True. the show. Um, you know, Hoaglander has to prove to Rick Tockett that he's a national hockey leaguer, even though a lot of people truly believe that he is. It's still, I mean, the coach is going to get the final say. And we know that two coaches already have had some issues with Hoaglander's performance. And Pod Colson, man, I want it to happen for him. The team needs it to happen for him. But, you know, would I be shocked if he spent a little bit more time 
in the minors again? Like, I don't think I'd be shocked at it. I'd be disappointed. No, he'd be disappointed. I'm looking at that 2019 draft, and it's like, giddy up, Pod yeah. Colson. It This is time. Like, he's 17th, I think, in, in the amount of uh, points that have been produced through that draft right now. Like, Hoaglander's ahead of him. We talked about this already. Yeah, and so, look, whether it's demotion to the minors or a trade, like, I think those options are all in play at some level for these guys. So, um, let's see what happens. But... You know, on the roster by the end of the season, I think there's a lots of different ways that that one could go. Matias Michelli is ahead of him. He's yeah. a fourth rounder, 98th overall for Arizona there. So, yeah, it's it's, it's go time. It's go time for Vasily Podkoles, and he's got to and, – and the same for Nils Hoaglander as well. All right. Uh, too many bots says eliminated from contention three weeks in for the third year in a row. Is that ultra bold, Jay Powder? or is that perhaps what we could see happen again? Uh, no, I mean, it's possible. Nobody wants to even go down that road, I don't think. Um, but, you know, an injury to a key player, and, and I'm not hoping for that. In fact, you can't see me, but I'm knocking on wood. But yeah, I mean, that's what happened last year, right? Like, And it wasn't even so much an injury, but it was a lingering effect of the injury that shut Thatcher Demko down the year before. But he's so valuable to this team. If you don't have goaltending, you don't have a chance. And so you know, I, I'm banking on Demko being back and ready to go, but... Just a knock here or a knock there or him or Patterson or Hughes. Um, you know, you want to believe that one guy out of the lineup wouldn't derail the entire season. But uh, there are some guys that mean an awful lot to the Vancouver Canucks. So I don't even like the fact that this one was floated here in the middle of summer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the start is so... No, the start is vital. Like, you know, imagine if they play the Oilers twice right off the bat. Like, if McDavid goes off and... You know, sometimes McDavid just takes matters into his own hands. He's done it against the Canucks. He did an opening night last year. He had a hat trick. Like, the Canucks may play well, and McDavid may just say, nope, not going to happen for you guys. All of a sudden, you're like 0-2 right out of the gate. Now you're out on this, like, eastern road trip. And so I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But, like, yeah, I mean, the potential that we've talked about, the start, the schedule, all those types of things. They're playing a bunch of teams that have these uh, really good power plays or did last year. And we know the penalty killing was uh, their downfall. So, uh, yeah, in a sort of alternate universe, I, I can see ways that things should go sideways. But, damn, I, I hope that they don't. Yeah, you want to get the split for sure there, at least with Edmonton to kick off the season. you got Philly after that, but then Tampa and then Florida. And you're on a, out on a road trip at that point, too. So, you got to watch yourself. You know, Florida might be the uh, free space, or Florida, Philadelphia might be the free space on the, the bingo card there, but you could find yourself one and four to kick off the season, which would not be good uh, for the Vancouver Canucks who are trying to make themselves into the playoffs. Now, I swear to God, these aren't my burner accounts, but I've definitely had these opinions as well. So this is Eric H. who says Hughes will score 10 goals. I've been on that, you know, since the end of last year, really. Yes. So, Eric, I'm with you on that one. I don't think it's that bold either. I don't. I, I think Hughes is one of those guys that looks at his stats and goes, that, that's not good enough. I need to score more. He puts that kind of pressure on. And, and, he, and he delivers. That's the thing I like about the kid. But I just, I think, too, with, with Quinn Hughes, like, I don't think he's ever going to develop into Al McInnes. Like, I don't think he's going to. No, but I, no. where I, like, he skates so well. He reads the play so well. He's confident. And he's so skilled. Like, to me, I want to see, and if they compare him with, you know, a veteran that can just stabilize and stay at home, let him 
take a few more risks. Like I see him jumping up into the rush, being the trailer on some plays and scoring that way more than I see him like winding up and putting everything that he's got. Like, we just don't see a ton of goals score with slap shots. There's too many sticks and bodies in shooting lanes and goalies. If they can see things, they generally stop them. I mean, I, like Evan Bouchard's got a bomb. He can beat goalies cleanly. There are a few others, but I don't see Quinn Hughes coming to camp this year all of a sudden with this in his arsenal. I, you know, I, it still surprises me. Like, shoot a little bit more on the power play. You would think with some of the bodies in the traffic that we talked about that, you know, the odd one might sneak through and, you know, screen a goalie, whatever. Uh, but that's not how I see Quinn Hughes. But I'm I'm with both of you. Like, yeah, double digit seems like a pretty damn attainable goal for a player uh, with his skill set. It'd be interesting to see how many goals Al McInnes would get in this NHL. I know he's still got that bomb. But again, pucks just don't get through now. Bodies just people just throw themselves in front of everything. He's also sixty years old. That is true. He, that is that is true. He might, he might need to uh, get back into shape a little bit. The wooden stick, <laughs> just using like the the old Northland, <laughs> the Titan that everyone wanted, the yeah. Gretzky one. Uh, Snap Z says uh, Patterson, Kuzmenko, and Hughes will all break hundred points this season. He went he went above me on that one. Wow, three hundred point guys. Not going to happen, but. It's bold. I like it. BW says no. Juleson finishes the season as Hughes's partner and has a really solid season. Kind of, sort of, could see that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put that in the ultra bold category. I mean, we got glimpses of it last year. I think the organization likes him. Um, again, lots of moving parts on that right side of the defense. And if Tyler Myers is shipped out of town, then even more moving parts, right? Like there will be opportunities for, for some guys there. So, you know, I, I want to see what Philip Ronick looks like. How much does he play? Uh, I'm assuming that he's going to eat up a fair bit of right, ice time on the on the right side, but there will still have to be others. And you know, that's why I had Jet Wu. But yeah, I mean, I we, we've seen Juleson play. And uh, so it wouldn't shock me if he gets another run of games with Quinn Hughes. But finishing the season there, like, I don't know, you know, are we talking about, like, he's going to play the final, you know, 40 games? Uh, I, I would, that would surprise me. But him getting a run of games alongside Quinn Hughes, showed he could do it last year. I, I think we could see that again. Andy uh, has been listening to us a little bit, uh, obviously. He says, after missing the beginning of the preseason, Mikheyev returns from injury and plays a full a full 82 oh. for Mikheyev, J-Pack. Yeah, he'd love that. The Canucks would love that, I think. Uh, certainly would help with the penalty kill and get in on the forecheck and, you know, use his speed to back off some defenders and create some space for, for others. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, we talked about that on the last pod, that uh, career high of 54 games for, for Mikheyev. Like, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And, look, it was a freak accident in the preseason. He tried to play through it, but ultimately they had to shut him down. Uh, he's had some other injuries along the way. Uh, wouldn't it be nice for him if the knee is as close to 100% as it can get, it doesn't bother him, and he can just show up and be a player for the Vancouver Canucks each and every night? I want to see it. Lastly here, Between Two Pipes says, uh, Canucks sneak in by another team losing in overtime last game of the season. Honestly, I, I don't really know how bold this is, but I like just the way he sort of laid it out or the way the person laid it out is is bold, but... I could see them sneaking in on, you know, the last day of the season or the second, you know, that last week of the season if they're going to get in. Yeah, and we've talked about the schedule as well. Like, lots of road games up front. They've got that nine-game homestand at the back end. Like, you know, hopefully those games do mean something. And if they do, then what an opportunity if they can take advantage of home ice and, you know, make Rogers Arena a tougher place than it's been in a while for, for visitors to come to. 
you know, I, I like how specific he is about laying it out there, requiring a little bit of help on the last night of the regular season. You know, if a, another team's losing in overtime, they're getting a single point. So that would mean that the Canucks had built, uh, you know, a little bit of a cushion at the very least. Um, I thought he was going to say the Canucks are going to do it in dramatic fashion, winning in overtime uh, to punch their ticket. But uh, they're going to do their part, and then they'll sit and, you know, we'll see what happens. So, uh, eh, you know, a long way off, obviously. We won't know for sure uh, until game 82 of the schedule. So we'll we'll file that one away and revisit it. Uh, You know, somewhere along the line, we'll have to pull out some of these bold predictions again and see uh, if we can check off any of the boxes. Well, the Canucks might need some help to get into the playoffs this year. You might need some help with your mortgage here's what you do you hit up our buddy jason hominick at jason.mortgage yeah the playoff math uh, you know it doesn't always add up for the vancouver canucks but if you've got jason hominick on your side uh, looking for a new mortgage the math certainly will work uh, for you because that's what jason does he's on your side here the banks they're in it uh, for themselves they record record profits every quarter it feels like uh they don't do that by being customer friendly they tell you they are but uh, it's all about them and maximizing profits jason wants to save you money so uh this can be you know a tricky uh, investment uh, certainly a lot of math involved and lots of moving parts there and, and you want the expertise of a, a mortgage broker on your side so we talk about him every show if you haven't already do yourself a favor reach out to jason hominick for all of your mortgage needs if you have questions about your current mortgage if you've got one that is coming up for renewal uh, he'll walk you through the best products for you and help you find the very best rate so check him out online jason.mortgage jason hominick is uh, the rink-wide mortgage broker. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks and kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Wide Vancouver is presented by Bodog, Canada's home for casino games and sports odds where everyone goes to play. Got a bunch of uh, prop bets up on Bodog right now. Going to save those though, Jay Pat. I'll let people know about those in a, in a different pod here. But I do have one for you right now because we've been on this sort of playoff talk here with the Canucks. And this sort of revolves around this. Canucks total points over under. Bodog's got it set at 88.5 for the season. Now, I don't think 80, I guess nine points get you into the playoffs. And when you look through the seasons for the Canucks, I mean, 83 last year, 92 the year before that. And of course, uh, the, last, the two years before that weren't complete seasons, but 81 uh, back in 18, 19. Like, this is a team that needs to get what? 90, well, at least 93, I think, to get into the playoffs. So are you taking the over or the under there? Uh, I think I take the over, but. Again, I, I think 93 is on the low end. I I think to be safe, you're probably looking at closer to 96 points uh, in a fairly competitive Western Conference. So, um, you know, can they jump from 83 to 96? That's asking an awful lot. But, you know, when you simplify it and you just think, really, that's 12 points would get you to 95 from last year. Six wins. 
you know, Thatcher Demko finished with 14 wins last year. Even coming back from injury and playing as much as he did down the stretch. He, he won 14. Come on. Like, I'm expecting Demko to have 35 wins for the Vancouver Canucks if he, if he stays healthy. And then it's a question about backup and, you know, how many more wins can they get on top of that? So uh, I, I, I do think if Thatcher Demko is anywhere close to the player that most people believe that he can be and he can do it for a full season, then I see improvement for the Vancouver Canucks uh, in goal. That's going to help with their penalty kill. Uh, you know, they've bolstered their defense. So I do think the blue line is going to be better. Yeah, I, I would take the over. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, last year, was it 95 to get in? The year before that, 97 to get in. So yeah, my 93 is probably going yeah. to fall too short. So I'll take the over, but I don't know about them being a playoff team myself as well. All right. Uh, a little bit of, I don't want to call it news, but some comments made by uh, JT Miller on the Cam and Strick podcast, which is out of St. Louis, I believe, right? Yep. I think most people that listen to this podcast know exactly what happened. JT Miller basically calling out uh, certain members of the Vancouver media that he said uh, he doesn't particularly like. You know, he talked about the the shit show that was last year. And again, like he's the only human and it was a shit show, as we know. And then he addressed the Colin Delia incident and whatnot. But I just, I see a lot of people, you know, sort of hand-wringing over the fact that, oh, you know, he called out the media. But again, to me, big deal. Like, again, pro hockey player doesn't like some of the media. Like, where's the news there? That that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. We work. You work in an environment where you you probably don't like some of the people you work with. He plays with guys that I I don't think he necessarily likes all the guys he plays with. Like, And I'm sure they don't like him either. Again, it's just such a nothing burger to me. Why did we like to make a big mountain out of that molehill? I, I appreciate JT Miller and sort of the, you know, rough around the edges, unvarnished, like... He seems like the kind of guy that you probably would want to sit down and have a beer or two with. Um, But, you know, I don't know that he covered a ton of new ground. Remember, he went on the John Scott podcast last summer and talked about a lot of the same things. Now, this past season, obviously, as JT said, like, I could write a book. I kind of hope he does when all is said and done. It'd be an incredible read, probably be a bestseller. Um, and look, you know, like they walked through his career from, you know, going right back to his sort of minor hockey days and up through uh, junior and the national development team and then the Rangers. And like we've heard about his relationship with Alain Vigneault before, like that wasn't new ground and his time in Tampa. Uh, but I was like, I, I honestly, I've covered JT Miller, the player, but you know, I, the part that really kind of resonated for me was like, a little bit more about his upbringing in East Palestine, Ohio, which, you know, certainly isn't a hockey hotbed. And for a guy to come from a small town, he talked about it, you know, 5,000 people uh, having to drive as far as he did to play, you know, minor, like his minor hockey days in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, I, I, that part sort of filled in some of the blanks. He got into what he does away from the rink. Like we all made such a big deal about him trying to qualify for the U S open. And then he's like, I don't even golf that much now. Like he's into hunting. Hunting is his thing. So, you know, I, maybe I should have known that about him, but, uh, didn't anyways. Yeah. I just thought it was a wide ranging interview. I will say this. One thing that I did take away from it was I, I think he gets the situation here. Like he's not everybody's favorite player. We know that, but like, you know, he was asked about jerseys on the ice and the fan reaction and all that kind of stuff. And he was like, 
this team's been so bad for so long. Like, you know, I get it. I And, and I want to be here when it flips and it starts to go the other way and he wants to be a part of it. He, that's why he committed to them in the long-term contract and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've wanted to hear that from Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford since they took over. Um, you know, it kind of feels like they take the, well, we're not responsible for the past. And they're not. But guess what? You've come to a city that has fans that have been here for 50 plus years. And that's where the frustration comes from. And it just kind of feels like management comes in and they only want to accept that it starts with the day that they took over. And that's not the way it works. Like you've inherited a fan base that's angry. They're angry about the last decade. They're frustrated about the last 50 years. And I kind of thought JT Miller encapsulated that when he said, like, I get it. I understand why they're, you know, he's like, I don't agree with them throwing stuff on the ice, but I get it. And that's why I want to be a part because I can't wait, you know, when it gets good, he knows that, you know, the fans are going to have this team's back and, and, and they will, but it's on this team. It's on the management group to put that kind of team on the ice ultimately. So yeah, I, I, I again, look, it's in the middle of summer. We haven't heard from a Canuck player in a while. Uh, he is a polarizing player. I get all of that in the social media age. Of course, people glommed onto a couple of uh, comments, but I didn't think it was all that inflammatory. It just, to me, was, uh, you know, kind of sit back in the dog days of summer and, you know, listen to JT Miller talk about uh, all of the stops along his playing days to this point. You think he was talking about you? I don't, because I don't really, like, honestly, I don't know JT Miller. When you think about it, uh, you know, arrived in 2019, I was out on the road for that year that, up until COVID hit, then they went into the bubble. Then the following year, there were no fans in the stands. And then uh, there was his 99-point season when I was around a little bit. But last year, I had access issues and didn't go to many practices. And like I don't really feel like I've spent a lot of time around JT Miller just because of COVID and restrictions and uh, other reasons. So honestly, I... I, I sleep easy. I, I don't think JT Miller was talking about me at all. Um, <laughs> Get no. into the scrum. Uh, first question, JT, do you like me? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you again? Exactly, yeah. Uh, your latest piece up on the hockey news. Should the Canucks invite PTO candidates to training camp this year? I thought it was an interesting read. Check it out over at the Hockey News. You threw out a couple of names there. One that stands out to me, Tyler Mott. Doesn't, yeah. have, a, doesn't have a contract. And nope. honestly, I mean, when you look around and they need some help with their PK, now, of course, they do have cap issues, and you talk about that in the piece. But, I mean, hey, Modder coming back, I think the fan base would love that. So, you know, the answer to the question, should they bring PTO candidates to camp, is absolutely yes. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. And I laid it out. And, and, look, we're still in this flat cap world where there are like legitimate NHLers uh, who are without jobs. Now, some of them, it's August. Some of these guys will get contracts, but there are going to be some that it's musical chairs and there are going to be some that are, you know, when Martin Jones signed in Toronto, I kind of thought like there's a Vancouver guy like end of his, you know, towards the end of his career, maybe he's going to be a PTO candidate and the Canucks, you know, not settled on their backup goaltending. I thought maybe Martin Jones would have been a PTO guy. Brandon Sutter earlier this week, we found out is going to Edmonton. Good for him. I know that, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, at least he, he gave it one more shot and goes out on his terms. Um, but for the Canucks, like you, you think about it, they missed the playoffs last year. Like they can't think that the work is done here as far as assembling a roster. If you can find NHL players, these guys would be motivated coming to camp. Um, 
you know, some of them might address some specific needs of face-offs or penalty kill, or, you know, maybe there's a player out there that Rick Tockett thinks, hey, you know, is my kind of player, could play my system. Uh, I know that they've got a glut of players under contract. We know that they've got all sorts of wingers. It costs the team nothing but a tracksuit and a couple of meals, essentially, to bring a player. Like, there's zero commitment from the team here. And if it doesn't... Well, depends on where they're going to eat, though. It could be an expensive couple of meals. If it doesn't work out. But, like, Denny DeKaiser last year, they brought him in, played him with Tyler Myers in camp. Like, they gave him a legitimate shot. They didn't pair him with some, you know, no-name AHL guy. Like, you know, and, they, and, and he was fine. Like, he was fine. He just wasn't better than the guys they already had. And that's the thing for a PTO player. You've got to come in and not just prove that you can still play. You've got to be better. Like You've got to make the team want to give you a contract. And that's where the problem comes for the Vancouver Canucks. But as I point out in the piece, that's the kind of problem this team should want. That a guy, you know, that they basically have stumbled into a player that can help them. He's not going to have any leverage. And Alex Chason, uh, you know, two years ago in Abbotsford, walked on night before training camp, uh, you know, ended up scoring 13 goals for the Canucks in 67 games. So, you know, it can happen. And yeah, like there are some players out there. Zach Aston Reese is still without a contract. Uh, Jujar Kyra, Surrey guy. Um, you know, Danton Heinen, another local. Like it wasn't that long ago that the Canucks were kicking tires on Danton Heinen, uh, straight up for Jake Vertanen, I think. And and so Heinen's without a contract. And again, some of these guys may get contracts before camp, and Tyler Mott may as well. But Mott was popular in the locker room. He was popular with fans. He was a penalty killer. You know, the motor's always going. Uh, you could do a lot worse if Tyler Mott is looking for a place to play than giving him an opportunity. And I think the other thing is it sends a message to the guys that, you know, I hope nobody on this roster is comfortable, but the guys in the bottom six, like if you bring in another pro and a guy that's got NHL games on his resume, like you're damn right that's going to get their attention. And you'd like to think that that kind of guy would set the pace of the training camp and force some others to elevate their game. So uh, you know, there are the veteran quotas in preseason games, certainly the early ones. You give a guy a game or two, uh, takes the burden off some of the others that, you know, don't need to play uh, every preseason game. So, yeah, to me, uh, absolutely, they should be looking to see who's available, who might want to come here, looking for that opportunity. And it uh, won't surprise me in the least if the Vancouver Canucks uh, invite a player or two on a pro tryout to training camp in Victoria. Surprised that Mott doesn't have a contract? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he was yep. at 1.3 last year. He had a career year last year between Ottawa and yep. New York. He had 19 points, you know, and he played all seven games in the, in the playoffs for the Rangers as well. So Yeah, low-maintenance guy uh, can skate. And, and as long as, you know, if you can skate in today's NHL, like that sets you apart. I mean, obviously everybody can skate, but, but that's his strong suit. And I, I think... Uh, yeah, a little bit uh, surprised. Unfortunately, you know, some of those guys kind of get the squeeze. And, you know, I, look, Labor Day will roll around, GMs will come back from the lake, and teams will take stock of where they are. But the same conversation about teams having to clear ca- salary cap space, you know, until some of that mo- money starts to move around, I do think that this year, uh, legitimate NHLers are going to be forced to go the PTO route to try to extend their careers. This would be a good thing for the Canucks. Uh, you know, whether depending on what player it is, you're probably going to get them at a discounted rate. So we'll see what the uh, if the Canucks do the PTO route like they did over the last few years. And you're right. We watched Andy DeKaiser up close and personal last year at the uh, at training camp, and I mean, he was fine. Was he good enough to make the team? No. But we saw that. 
and it was no skin off the uh, Canucks back except for the tracksuit. Those can get expensive though, J-Pat. And up in Whistler too. <laughs> no. There's some they, expensive they, restaurants they, in Whistler. We'll see you in Victoria this year. Holy. Right, but they buy the tracksuits in bulk. Oh, okay. So there you go. Yeah, I'm not too soon. worried about that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. We'll have another podcast for you as well. We're doing these weekly, as you know, throughout the summer, but it's getting close. We're eh, just over a month or so before training camp's going to open in Victoria, but uh, we'll keep them coming for you. And of course, uh, they'll be coming more and more as the season uh, progresses on here. But uh, this has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show. 